hey, you know what I believe? I believe every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible. I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where your courageous life starts. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Now, I tell you what, we whinge and bitch sometimes about all these challenges that are in our way, and half the time, it's just in our head. In fact, most of the time, it's just in our head, and there are perceived challenges and not actually real challenges. Today's guest has got a real challenge being legally blind since birth and she is still kicking goals and I'll tell you what you want to hear about it so let me tell you Fiona DeMarc is an inspirational speaker and life coach who helps people who are stuck and frustrated with their lives to create a new reality. Fiona has been legally blind since birth and loves to share her story of resilience, positivity and life achievements to inspire and motivate others. Fiona knows the importance of a positive mindset and a can-do attitude. This has helped her to overcome adversity and think outside the square in order to achieve her dreams. Her interest in natural therapies has led her to study hypnotherapy and Reiki to complement her skills in life coaching and social work. Fiona lives her life focusing on her main four senses that now work more efficiently than if Fiona could see. She never says no to a challenge or opportunity, never letting her disability prevent her from achieving the things she sets her mind to. Welcome, Fiona. Thank you. Well, it's so good to, to have you here. You know, you, you I, I talk a lot about, um, you know, people getting off the bench and sometimes uh, it takes adversity, you know, to, to actually push people off the bench. But, um, you know, you sort of were born with a challenge and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing because I think that everything, everything that happens to us in life is, you know, you know, we just got to make the most of, there's a great saying, isn't there? The, the things turn out best for those who make the best of the way things turn out. You know, you were born legally blind, but you haven't let that uh, stop you doing anything like and I love how we read in the intro that you never say no to a challenge I just think that's fantastic but tell us about like now you're doing hypnotherapy and you're doing coaching and you're doing uh, Reiki and you know and and you've got a full-time job all that kind of stuff you haven't sort of said well look I'm legally blind um, therefore I get to just hang out on a disability pension and, you know, and sit in the corner. You've said, no way, I'm grabbing grabbing the bull by the horns and I'm going to live life to the fullest. So give us a bit of a background into your younger years. Um, I guess I was really lucky in the sense that I grew up in far out back in New South Wales, so a town called Broken Hill. And um, it was, 
in, in the days before the internet, I'm showing my age, and um, we, we didn't have a lot of resources. And so parents were very working class. And so the whole theory was there's no special treatment, no special school. We did have to make a few adaptions, but, you know, as a general rule, it was just get on with it and work it out as you go. And I, I guess I was really lucky in the sense that I got to run around with all the other kids and cause just as much mischief <laughs> of the, as they did. So I was able to sort of, you know, go and go and chase the, the snakes and lizards in the bushes and, you know, try not to fall down the mine shaft and, and all the other stuff that the, the, the other kids were getting up to. And um, I guess there was someone looking out for me all the time, making sure that, you know, I didn't fall into the lake at the family picnic or whatever. But um, as a general rule, when I was really young, I was, I was pretty okay with it all. Um, not until I got older, you know, we all have that identity crisis in, mm. in your teenage years. And look, there was a lot of other stuff that went on. Um, my dad passed away when I was 15 and there was a bit of school bullying and I don't know, various other bits and pieces. And I just kind of lost my identity for a while there. And probably looking back, you know, these days they'd probably classify me as having had some level of depression. But in those days, once again, resource poor location, you just kind of got on with it and learned how to be resilient and work mm. it out for yourself. And, you know, I was lucky I had a, um, a couple of good mentors. There was an amazing teacher that sort of guided me along the way. And I think um, the opportunity to go and spend some time with other kids that had a disability as well. I got to go on a recreational camp for blind kids. And so that was the first introduction I'd ever had to meeting other kids with a disability. And so these kids were coping with worse situations than what I thought I had. And they were coping well. They were navigating their way around with their mobility devices and little talking computers and all sorts of stuff. And I went, you know what? Actually, in fact, my disability cannot stop me from doing the things that I want to do. And it was the first time that I really sort of started to look outside of the square and go, nope, I'm not going to let this get in my way. And I don't know whether it's part of having a disability or whether it's just my stubborn personality, but one or the other has certainly made me decide that um, saying no was not an option. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I, I love that. And despite being, you know, like you say, you know, being subject to some bullying and, you know, that kind of stuff, it would be easy, it would be very easy to say, you know, you know, I can't, but you, I love that you say I can. That's one of my mottos is, you know, helping people to, to actually believe that they can. And I, I love that. You talk about your uh, using your, in, in the intro, you know, your, your four senses and your four other senses, you know, and really mm -hmm. I guess we hear a lot of stories, you know, and sometimes you wonder whether it's a myth, you know, oh, if, if I'm blind, well, I'm, my, I can hear better. And, and if I'm deaf, I can see better, you know, and there's all this kind of stuff that people say, right. And you often wonder, is that a myth or is that, is that actually true? Because I've heard both sides of the story, but, you know, you, you sort of really describe it that, your other senses really are enhanced. Is that is that the truth? Mm. Oh, absolutely, and I can guarantee that my children would agree to that too. Um, <laughs> they're now they're now old enough to get into their own mischief. They're sixteen and eighteen now, so they can get up to their own mischief by themselves. But when they were little, they could never fathom how I could always tell. You know, mummy's supposed to have you know eyes in the back of her head. Well, I think I had bat senses or something, yeah, because they could always be detected as to what they were doing, even when I was at the other end of the house. I'd be like, "Stop doing that." 
Wow. How did you even know? <laughs> I love that. I had a teacher. I had a high school teacher like that. She, she, she was 80 and she had these thick bottle, Coke bottle glasses. She was just so, you know, old and we just thought she can't see anything. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, she used to, she used to name us. She would pinpoint us, you know, while she was writing on the blackboard. She, well, she had supersonic <laughs> hearing. So I, you've made me think about that. So. We're, we let's say let's focus on for a minute you know with your hearing in enhancement let's say you've um you've got a job like you're saying this is not going to stop me I'm still going to go out there and I'm going to get a job and I'm going to do all the things that other people are doing so you, you got a job you work well I don't know what you where you first got a job but you start you're now working full-time at at Vic Roads. So when I go into Vic Roads, I see people uh, on computers, you know, and, and they're doing, you know, all sort of looking at, looking at your, your, I can't even think what it is, you know, your car registration and they're reading mm-hmm. all the little fine print and all that sort of stuff. So in essence, I worked in, I'm not now, I haven't for about a year, I transferred to um, a different role, which is still telephone based with customers. But my previous role was I worked in the call centre at Vic Roads for five years. And you can imagine if you've ever been on the phone line to Vic Roads waiting, listening to that absolutely amazing music while you're on hold for an hour. Um, you can imagine how busy we are all at the other end. And so literally I would do 10-hour days and you had about a six-second break in between phone calls. And so wow. it was pretty full on. And the way that I do my job is, and this is where the hearing comes in ultra well, is I have one headset that is a screen reader for my computer. So imagine using your computer with no screen, no keyboard. Yeah. Oh, sorry, no mouse. So we've got a, we've got a keyboard. And we've got a headset and that's literally it. And so I have a keyboard shortcut for every process that needs to happen on the screen. So, you know, if you do your your cut and paste little keyboard buttons, I use those for everything. So some of them are two, some of them are three or four keys pressed together at the same time to do every little function. Wow. And so I have the little, little screen, screen man, like my, I call him the, the man that talks in my computer. Um, and then I have a headset on with the customer and then usually one ear that's kind of still free for um, listening to what's going on in the office. And sometimes if I want to block the office out, I'll plug in a headphone in that other ear and listen to some music. So can multitask all at the same time. And, you know, the customers never realised that they were dealing with someone that was doing something slightly different to your average. Wow. Isn't that amazing? You know, I think that, you know, for me, you know, I'm I've got all my senses and thank God, you know, but I think we take it for granted. We really do take stuff for granted, you know. And then if someone said to me, here's your headset and you'll just have to work out all your shortcut keys, you know, there's such a temptation to quit and to say, no, nah, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that, you know. But I, I think we 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 fall short, you know, when, when we have to really consider the lengths that other people have to go to, you know, to, to learn sort of adaptive things, you know, to, to make, just to make life happen. And I think, um, I think it's a bit arrogant on our part, actually, I really do. And I, I, I often reflect on this, you know, and then I think I should learn. And then I think, oh, yeah, and I don't, 
<laughs> you know, and, it's- and, and you know, we we all have our strengths and our weaknesses, yeah. And you know, the way to to operate in life, I think, is to work out what your strengths are. Yeah, focus on those. Work out what you're not so great at, and go. Okay, well, is there some way I can make my life better? Or let's offload that to somebody else. So for me, finances is my absolute horrible thing. Like I hate invoicing and making look you know I can manage my own finances but when it comes to managing sort of business finance or anything like that it's just really overwhelming and so I think I don't want that that stress and and hardship in my life so I'm just going to um you know shop that out to somebody else and give them you know and and you know that's their strength and so you know I think it's all about identifying what what you are good at and making that your focus and the things that you're not so good at well you know either you can make an effort to try and change it and if you decide that you don't want to change it or you don't have the capacity for whatever reason to change it then go okay well cool I'm good with not being able to do that and move on. Yeah, I agree. I think that, and particularly in job, you know, corporate jobs, I do a lot of, you know, supervising and performance reviews and that sort of stuff. And 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 there are still some businesses because I'm still hearing about this that they focus on the weaknesses, what's not going right, you know, how, how can we instead of focusing on the strengths? And it just I can't, I can never understand that because if we're all working to our strengths, what an amazing world, you know. Mm. And we're so motivated to keep on following with that momentum and moving forward rather than worrying about what's not going right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we should just disregard our weaknesses and say and blame other people and say, you know, well, I can't do that so stiff. I mean, sometimes we've got to actually pull our socks up. But I absolutely love what you're doing. You say um, this, you know, I'll never say no to a challenge or an opportunity. And I love that. And you scared the bejesus out of me before saying that you were running around chasing snakes. You know, that's just, (laughs) I don't like doing that with good vision, let alone, you know. I don't know if that's an opportunity, chasing um, snakes. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sure it's a challenge. But, you know, what, has that ever gotten you in trouble? You know, I'm, I'm not saying no to anything. I'm going to be stubborn and pig at it and I'm going to be right out there with this can-do attitude. Oh, ever got yeah, you in okay. trouble? Well, look, I don't know whether I'd call it trouble, but I can tell you a certain um, memorable experience and this is definitely my stubbornness kicked in with this as well. So... My husband is a, a sports motorbike rider and my seat on this motorbike is literally smaller than an A4 size piece of paper stuck up in the middle of the air. <laughs> and I'll give you a little explanation of my husband because you would think, oh, yeah, no, bikey guy, yeah, and that puts a, a, a image in your head. Well, let's just wipe that out completely. <laughs> let's, let's go with the fact that his nickname is Lanky, so that's starting to give you a picture. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, maybe we could even go with stick man. Like. <laughs> he's tall and skinny and really not going to be holding me up very well so off we go on the motorbike trip this is when I'm still living in Sydney he's down in Melbourne and he says "Hmm, you've got some time off of work so do you want to come down to Melbourne with me on the motorbike and I'm like oh yeah let's let's do this sounds like an adventure and so all's going well. We get as far as Canberra and I'm like, well, this is easy. Like I'm just sort of, you know, going down the freeway. I can, you know, you know, look, no hands, mum, kind of thing. Like <laughs> this is all good. We're, we're all happy, you know. And, of course, remember I'm wearing a backpack because we're doing a three-day trip. So, you know, I've got some extra extra weight to carry along with me and, and balance out as well. And so that's fine. We have our first night up at the top of the, the um, Mount Kosciuszko. 
And we get up bright and early the next morning. And look, I'm sure I should have noticed that evil smirk on his face because he says, <laughs> oh, look, let's stop and have a photo opportunity. Now, this is the man that doesn't quite, you know, doesn't take photos very often. So I'm, I should have clued in, <laughs> but I didn't. So we've got this beautiful picture of me standing there, motorbike helmet in hand, you know, all decked out in my leathers, standing underneath the sign that says next 65 K's windy roads with the oh. little motorbike symbol on it. And I'm like, oh, 65 K's, that's all right. You know, we're going, going, it'll be fine. Yeah. Been on windy roads with him before. Well, not windy hill, down, downhill windy roads. Oh. And um, it felt like someone had been pushing on my feet while I was doing a handstand for about an hour and a half. <laughs> and I swear it was worse than childbirth. Oh. And I'm just like, my God, my arms are never going to be the same again. But I'm like, surely we're there soon. Like, come on, you know, you're supposed to go at like 100 k's an hour on a on a you know, like this this road, aren't you? Maybe not. Maybe a bit slower. But surely, like, the maths has to add up, and we must be there by now. <laughs> And finally we got to the end and I swear I got off the, that motorbike and at some point I had given up trying to hold myself up. I sort of put my hands around him and braced myself against the petrol tank most of the time. But in this instance, at some point I had given up doing that and I just ended up laying on top of him. Oh. <laughs> so the poor dude was going downhill with me literally laying on the back of him plus the you know the extra weight of the backpack on my back as well and I swear I was in tears by the end of it but I still wasn't going to tell him to stop we kept on going and then we got to the end and then I said I'm never doing that again until at least spending six months pumping iron in the gym <laughs> and I can tell you I've been going to the gym now pumping iron <laughs> For the last year when we're not in lockdown, and I reckon it'll take me six years of pumping iron before I could do that downhill <laughs> trip again. Ah, but, but you, you know, you say that that's terrible. I felt like, you know, I felt like my legs are closing, blah, blah, blah. But you did it again. And it, I don't know if you did it before or after, but you got on... Um, uh, you get on the back of, I don't know if it was him, a motorbike. Oh, yeah, 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 it was. And, and yeah, I, it was after that experience too, by the way, yes. <laughs> I obviously didn't learn my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> but 300 kilometres an hour, was that around the Phillip Island, like around the race track? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 300 k's down the main straight at Phillip Island. So there's one day every year that they have a, a ride day where um, they have one session in the middle of the day where you're allowed to take a pillion passenger. And so we lined it up so I could go out on the track with him. Is he a professional motorbike rider? No, no. Shit. No. So, so like, <laughs> like 300 Ks, you know, if you've, okay. So neither of you are used to this. Like this is not your day job and it's not his his thing. So you can just go boring down the, you know, the, the straight at 300 kilometres now. Like I don't know about you, but I'm vision, I'm having this image that if you come off, it's not going to be very pretty. No, no, no amount of motorbike helmet and leathers are really going to help you at that rate. However, no. having said that, it is certainly by far safer to do so on the track than it is anywhere else because it's not necessarily the falling off that bothers you. I mean, maybe sliding along the road a little bit is a problem but it's the stopping at the end. And yeah. so whatever stops you on the racetrack, it's usually the gravel pit. So you usually just end up in the gravel pit and you're fine. 
it's out on the road when you stop. Yeah. That might be another car or a tree or the telegraph pole. (laughs) That does become a problem. So, you know, at least if, if, you know, if you do have a problem, then the racetrack is certainly the place to have it. And I I guess to the... um... Oh, you know, the bitumen, I don't know what I'm trying to say, you know, the makeup of the surface is is meant for that sort of stuff too, you know. So mm, Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not like our, um, you know, our average city street that's full of potholes and bumps and, and lumps and whatever. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's designed specifically for racing and especially Phillip Island because so many motorbikes do use it. It is kept, you know, and maintained very, very well. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's, yeah, okay. Well, that's great. I'm not going to do it. And <laughs> I, I don't really want gravel rash up my ass. So I'm going to I'm gonna completely <laughs> stay off that. Even though I do ride motorbikes, I, I, I 300Ks, I don't want to come off in the gravel. But that, that sounds, it really does sound scary. But at the same time, it sounds thrilling and you know, like for me, I'd be having my eyes open, you know, I'd be watching what was going on and that would probably scare me twice as much. But for you, it would be the sensation of it, you know, and mm, just the mm. feel of the... And in actual fact, even though I do have a little bit of vision still left and funnily enough, it's the peripheral vision. So it's the stuff that's in the the sides yeah. of my eyes that I can still see. So I can tell you how fast those little white lines were flashing by oh, on the oh. side of the road <laughs> and how, how close your head comes to it when you go around a corner pretty quickly. Oh but having God. said that, sometimes I did actually close my eyes and just let that sensation be completely everything yeah. else. Yeah, I forgot about the corners. Jeez, see, in my head, I had just the straight, and now you're, now you're giving us the whole corner bit. You know, Jesus, <laughs> you're a bloody daredevil. You're mad as mad as hell. But you know, further to all this, right? Because you know, I, I love all this. I love what you've done, and and you've just gotten off the bench just so many times, and I I love it. So you came down from Broken Hill, and you know, out the middle of the sticks, came into the city. I don't know. Did you go to Sydney or Melbourne? I went to Sydney first. Yeah. So Sydney first and um, was there for, gosh, maybe just somewhere in between 10 and 15 years. And then I've been in Melbourne about about the same, actually. Yeah. So you went to uni in Sydney? Yes. And and studied, um, uh, I can't remember, social work. Yeah, so uh, social work. Yep. yep so yep. it was literally the week after my 18th birthday. I jumped on the Indian Pacific with my suitcase and a couple of boxes <laughs> in storage. And off I went to um, when I, off I went to Sydney, found myself a little rental near the university, and um, that that was that was my new life. Were there challenges? Did you did you you know how, um, how did you go with it? Look, I think the biggest thing was a little bit of loneliness to start off with. I'm a very I don't I don't like um, um, I don't like spending time in my own space too much I like to sort of interact with other people and so until I got myself sort of you know a new set of friends and whatever else Mm. it was a little bit sort of tricky but um what I would do in my spare time and this is this is got a bit of a funny story too actually (laughs) so what I would do in my spare time is I would just catch the train and just go random places on the train all over the Sydney network and listen to the announcements along the way to say oh next station is this next station's that and so I learned my way around Sydney 
and managed to sort of, you know, stay away from all the creepy train people at the same time. Mm. And yeah. that turned out to be a good thing because my ex-husband, when I met him, had the most appalling sense of direction. And so he gets his license and out we go driving. And you know the big signs that you see on the highway to sort of say, oh, okay, well, we're coming up to a major intersection. You know, this is all the directions of the different places that you can go. Yeah. And for a blind girl, I really do not know my left and right. <laughs> and so he would literally wait until about maybe half a minute before he made to, you know, had to make that, that decision as to which lane he needed to be in to, you know, go in whichever direction we needed to drive. And he would say, oh, which way do we go? He would never tell me straight away, okay, well, this way, that way. He would say, which way do we go? And I'm like, I don't know. You need to tell me what's on the sign. <laughs> and so then he would tell me what was on the sign. And then I would have to calculate or what's left, what's right, and where do we want to go? And then I would have to translate to him oh. all within 30 seconds so he could work out which way to go. I have no idea why he never would tell me when he could see the sign like a kilometre away what was on the sign. He'd literally wait until the last minute every time. But, you know, I don't know if that's blind leading the blind or what it is, but <laughs> we got there in the end because, of course, there was no GPS back then and we never got lost, never in a major car accident because we were in the wrong lane to go the direction we wanted to go. So, you know, we worked it out eventually, but good good thing I did know directions because he certainly didn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, dear, I love it. So when you you were doing uni, were you and suddenly studying, you know, to be a social worker or whatever, or whatever, something in the social field, you know, that sort of stuff, mm. were you... Um, were you planning on having your own business or were you planning on working for somebody else or what, what were you thinking you might come out the other end? I didn't really know what I wanted to do to start off with, to be honest. Um, I knew what I didn't want to do. And actually, no, I actually come to think about it, going back, I did have a plan. So I was this naive girl from the country that thought she was going to go and solve all the, the homeless youth problems in Sydney. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'll fix those kids in King's Cross that are on the streets. Yeah. And I did some volunteer work about six months after I moved to Sydney and um, St. Vinny's for Youth, which is quite famous, the, the Chris Riley guy. Yeah. And I decided quite quickly, oh, my gosh, like these kids, some of them are younger than I am. And I mean, I was still only 18 or so at the time. And I thought they're running circles around me. Like I have <laughs> nothing on these kids. <laughs> like I cannot do this. Like this is this is not going to be what I need to be doing. So I, I kind of went back to the drawing board and had to think about what it was that I wanted to do. And I came up with all the things that I didn't want to do, but I wasn't sure what it was that I did want to do. And by this stage, I'd moved to the other side of um, Sydney from where the university was. And it was time to choose our, our practical placements. And so there was one place on the list that was actually in the city rather than out on the western suburbs, which is where the uni was. And so I thought, well, I'm travelling from east to west every day to go to uni. I don't want to do that for my placement, so let's go to this place in the city. And it turned out to be a HIV clinic. Yeah. <laughs> and not only did I work on the HIV info line in the middle of the 90s, which I can tell you at 18 was a huge life experience <laughs> thing. Tell you what, there's there's not much people could tell me about their lives that would surprise me these days. Um, I stayed there the rest of the time I was at university as a volunteer. Um, went and worked in a call centre for six months after uni to sort of, you know, get some some money in the bank and then ended up working back at that organisation for about another seven years as a paid employee. Wow. So 
HIV turned out to be a big part of my career, in fact. Wow. So when when did you think about going out on your own? When did you sort of think, oh, you know what, I really want to just do my own business and Um, It was created specifically by COVID, actually. Yeah. So what had happened is I had um, ended up at Vic Roads working in the call centre because I had gotten a little bit burnt out. I was working in an employment service for disabled people for a while and got a little bit burnt out doing that because a lot of them didn't want to, um, you know, work in line with the the strategies that Centrelink had set up for them and yeah. it was it was all a bit messy and so I thought okay we need a break let's go and do something else which is how I ended up back in the call center for a while and it was during COVID that I thought let's let's do some extra study because I was going a bit bonkers I like to be busy <laughs> as you can tell yeah. and lockdown didn't really work for me so well so I thought right let's do some extra study which is when I did the life coaching And following on from that, I thought, well, now I've got the life coaching, I've got the natural therapy, I've got the social work. Let's see if we can set up our own stuff and see what happens. And, you know, I've still got the the fallback of the, you know, the the Vic Rhodes job in the sense that, you know, there's a a steady income coming in. But I'm very lucky in the fact that um, my hours are quite flexible and it means that I can operate both things at the same time. So that's where we're at. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's um, often people will think that they have to, if they've got the security of a safe job, often they'll think I have to completely jump out of that and completely jump into my new job. And sometimes that works for some people and sometimes that's the best option. But, But a lot of people see it as a failure if I hang on to my old job and I call it wing walking, you know, you have one, one foot mm. on each wing, you know, and, mm. and, and I don't see a problem with that. I, I think that's fantastic. If you just, you, you, you take, you start working four days a week at your regular job and you, mm. you know, and you, you give that one day a week a crack. And if that, if that starts to grow, then you move that to two days a week and you're less. Exactly. I think that's a fantastic way to do it. And it gives you that, it just gives you a little bit more, I guess security to particularly mm. paying bills like a mortgage. But the other thing too is that if it doesn't work, you just go back to full time. And mm. and like you've got to give it a go. You know, you have to give that thing a crack because yeah. what's I think it's it's worse to never have given it a go than it is to give it a go. It oh. didn't work. I'll go back to my job for a while. I'll assess why it didn't work and I'll go back and I'll have another crack. It's better to do that than just say, well, I wonder. I wonder mm-hmm. what it would. I just mm. love that I you're doing that. I can't imagine. Like I, I so, that, and that's why I always do say yes to stuff and work it out as you go Yeah, because there's nothing worse than having regrets, yeah? Like if you make a mistake, you learn from it and you go, well, okay, well, maybe that was a bad idea. Let's not do that again. But having said that, if it turns out, then great, you've, you've succeeded in something that you didn't think you could do, but nothing worse than looking back and going, what if? You know, what if I had have taken a different choice? What if I had have done that thing that someone offered me to do and I, you know, didn't do it yeah I agree I I agree I just think that um life's too short and I don't want to be on my deathbed going oh damn it I thought about that thing so often and I didn't do it you know and it's Mm. yeah 
I don't think failure is a bad thing. And I'm not, I, I certainly not going down the failure track with you. I don't think that at all. You, I think you're bloody booming. But, you know, people are scared of failure, you know, and it's it's kind of like I want to be on my deathbed and say, you know, I gave it a crack. It didn't mm. work. It didn't work and I misjudged it. And I want to laugh at myself for, for giving it a crack and it didn't work. And, you know, you learn something from every experience, yeah? And, look, if we only had good positive experiences in our life, then it would get to the point where you wouldn't be able to really embrace those good experiences. And when you you feel that high of, yeah, everything's amazing, you wouldn't ever have that because you wouldn't ever have the opposite experience of those lows where you go, oh, my gosh. It's like, you know. You need you need that balance so you can appreciate both things. Otherwise, you're just sort of stuck in the middle in monotony. hundred oh, percent. You know, you, you, you're like 2% off good and 2% off bad and it's kind of like boring, boring, boring. I reckon grab it by 100% and feel like total crap and really feel your life and then feel like total ecstasy and really bloody feel your life. You know, that's how I like living. I, I like things to the extreme and sometimes it doesn't serve me and and probably like you, you know, you jump in and things don't serve you sometimes. <laughs> but... You feel it. You feel every goddamn thing you do. You know, you feel. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it. I don't think anything beats that. That's living. In in my opinion, that's living. When you feel the highs, you feel the lows, you know, and you you, you just, I, I, I love it. I love what you're doing. Now, tell me about um, fears and challenges. Uh, it's just in everyday life. Like, you know, are there things that you're just just not doing because? And I don't. I'm not talking about jumping out of an aeroplane or jumping off a cliff or diving off a jetty when you don't know there's rocks. I'm not talking about those stupid things. But are there things? And some people will be listening, going, "They're not stupid, Karen. They're fun." No, they're stupid in my eyes. I am not doing that. That's, that's, let's, let's go back over that list, Karen. <laughs> have you done I, those things? <laughs> I, I have been skydiving. I have been bungee jumping. <laughs> Oh, you maniac. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> oh, Jesus, see, nah, that to me, that that's not that's not giving me my living buzz. I can I'm terrified, <laughs> terrified of money heights. Really? Have you and okay, but you so, know what? It's calculated risks, yeah. Like I'm not just gonna go and leap off of something that I think is, yeah. is you know, gonna cause me drama. Yeah. But at the end of the day. Like, I mean, I can tell you, like, the the brain capacity to say I'm actually going to do something that is totally against what you should be doing is, is pretty hard to get your head around sometimes. But yeah. at the same token, it's calculated. Like, they've, they've checked all their safety stuff, whatever else. I mean, you know, I probably got more chance of getting hit by, you know, the bus in the street or whatever than doing one of those crazy things that are so safety regulated yeah. that, is going to go wrong. I hear you, but if I was, if I flung off a bloody thing with a rope around my neck, I around my leg. I don't mean my neck. I would, have, I would have a freaking heart attack. I actually know my body would have a freaking heart attack. But anyway, well, I can tell you, I screamed so loud that I did have a sore throat for about two days afterwards. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> uh, oh, look, I do admire. I admire people who can sky jump and and, and to who can bungee jump. 
jumping as skydive and bungee jump because I it's this is not my thing. But you know, but then again, I've done some crazy, bloody, stupid things too in my life. And and I I, I remember going out for Chinese one night and with my family, and we, someone was talking about some of my antics when I was younger and my my youngest sister she just sat there staring and I said what and she says what the hell was wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) and she's she's a bloody madman she's as nutty as buddy she she does the most stupid things and she just sat there this face what the hell was wrong with you what the hell were you thinking and so maybe it's as you get older you know 58 now maybe I'd think oh shit my bones are gonna crack too (laughs) (laughs) oh anyway I reckon it's I reckon it's fantastic and you know, I love that you're focusing on can do and not can't do. I, I, that's, um, you know, that that's really good. Now, you, um, I think that, you know, let's talk about people with disabilities for a minute. I mean, let, let's be honest, you know, it is a disability, but I like to think of it as a differability, you know, with a, with a double F instead of a, um, with an S, because I think that we we all have different abilities and we all have different capacities and we're all, as we talked about before, we've all got different strengths, you you know, and I think that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you you, you can have your hearing, but if you don't bloody listen to people, you might as well not have it, you you know, like seriously. (laughs) And it's, it's, um, I I just, I I just love what you're doing. I think you're sort of quite the role model for people with disabilities and you you might not see it as that, but I, I certainly do. Because I've I used to well I used to teach people to work with people with disabilities you know and I used to work with a lot of people with disabilities and and I I used to always think particularly when I was teaching um, people how to work with people with disabilities I used to think to myself am I going to be embarrassed about this in twenty years time uh, you know or thirty years time when it becomes like uh, people with disabilities got the same rights. I mean, I know they have, but it's, that's, that's not actually the truth. Do you, you know, mm. like, oh, that's the law, but it's not actually the bloody mm. what's going on out there, you know, and, and we're going to come to a point one day, I hope, where we don't even see the disability. You know, with your coaching, do you get people with disabilities coming to you like because they have an assimilation with you, you know, because they think, well, she gets me, you know, and, and she's a role model. If she can do it, I can do it. You know, do you get that kind of thing happening? I do. And, and you know, and, and it works to my advantage in the sense that I don't take their crap, yeah, is yeah, probably yeah. the easiest way to put it. So, you know, oh, I can't do that because it's too hard. Well, no, it's actually not too hard. Like your disability is not what's stopping you from making that choice. It's your brain that's actually stopping you from doing yeah. it. Yeah. Physically, you can actually do what you need to be doing. You're just choosing not to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that that's one thing where I can sort of, and I can offer that perspective and they, they're they not going to look at me and go, well, how do you know? where it's like, okay, well, you know, they, they're more likely to go, oh, yeah, maybe I can actually. Mm-hmm. And so it, it gives people that ability to kind of rethink things a little bit. And, look, I guess because I'm I'm within that realm of, I guess, you know, life experience, it means that I can be a little bit more harsh and, and you know, I'm not going to pussyfoot around and be, um, you know, as politically correct as somebody yeah. from a different perspective would be because like, I'm, I'm there, I'm living it myself. And so I can then portray 
that real experience to somebody else who's living it as well, rather than trying to sort of, you know, give advice from an outsider perspective, which is what many people sort of feel that others are doing in that, yeah. that kind of field. I, I, agree, I agree. You hear that quite a lot. You know, you're telling me what to do, but you're not doing it yourself or mm. or you don't understand it because you're not actually living that, you know, and I think, I, I think that's really wonderful. When you, you know, we, we just stay on this for a second. You know, we talked about, um, you know, the, the other four, senses being enhanced um which is the physical senses however we've got all those other you know intuitive senses you Mm -hmm. know and that that kind of stuff and you're doing um hypnotherapy and and reiki which is kind of a lot of inner work you know and it's sort of Mm -hmm. um you're drawing on your intuition and you're drawing on your those inner feelings and inner vibrations and all that kind of stuff do you think that because you can't see, and I know you can see a slight, a little bit out of peripheral vision, but because you're relying not on seeing a person, because let's say you're doing Reiki, you've got someone there in front of you or hypnotherapy, you're looking at their face, you know, so you, because because that's not there for you, do you, does that give you more confidence, you know, to feel like you're, you're much more tuned in to them? Because mm, I think so because yeah. it just like I mean naturally I'm just not using that other part of my brain and yeah. so I'm using something different and yeah I think it it doesn't look I mean it's I don't know like I mean yeah like, I mean you can be as woo-woo as you like in the sense of you know what what you see or feel or whatever and then just tame that down to whatever the person's ready to listen to yeah, yeah. but I think um in essence, yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm, I'm clairvoyant or clairaudient or any of those clair things. But having said that, I definitely do pick up on vibes. And even just, um, mm. you know, sometimes you walk into a room and, you know, that that whole saying, like, you know, the energy, you could cut it with a knife kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, like I definitely clue into things like that, like that whole, like, woo, this is a bad, bad place to be kind of thing. Like, yeah. you know, so, yeah, it's, it, it is, it's really interesting. And you'd have to rely on that, wouldn't you? Because the rest of us will walk in and we'll take a look around and think, oh, I don't like the look of some of these people. But but you mm. you would have to rely on that. What you Absolutely. can, what you can hear, what you feel, yeah, I think, I think that's great. And now you're also doing um, speaking, inspirational, motivational speaking, you know, to to share your story and to inspire others, encourage others to, you know, um, well, if you can do it, they can do it, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I presume, like that, that's what I'm imagining you getting up there talking a little about. bit, yeah, and just getting people to really rethink. Um, you know, what what have been the pivotal moments in their life and how yeah. things that they've done could be different if they had thought from a different perspective or even if they look back now from a different perspective and reframe it yeah. and to, to actually get them to realise that, um, you know, it, it is within everybody's ability to achieve whatever they set their mind to. It's just a matter of, of working out what tools and resources you need to get there. Yeah, yeah, I love that. When you do, um, when you do have have a talk or do speak, what what kind of things do people come up to you and say afterwards? Um, it's really interesting. I get lots of lots of mixed questions. I'm just thinking. I actually did one at lunchtime today, and I'm just trying to think of some of the questions that I got asked. Um, lots of questions about childhood. Yeah. Lots of questions about um, 
how how people can integrate these ideas into their own lives. Um, there's a lot of conversation at the moment around lockdown and COVID and, you know, how to, to manage your situation within that and to, to look at it more positively than what people are yeah. having a tendency to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's lots of, lots of bits and pieces that people come up with. And, you know, I don't necessarily tell the whole story of everything. And so then they sort of then go, oh, well, there was a bit of a gap there. Let's ask a question about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's great, and I think that people need to need to see you and need to hear you. You know that, that you, you, there's a there's a story there and a voice there that uh, there's a gap in the in the market, and, and I think you're f- fantastic. I'm glad you're feeling that. I'm going to ask you a, 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 a question, bit of a cheeky tongue in cheek. How about those um, teenage daughters of yours? Um, do they try to? I know I know now they're a little bit older and a bit more resourceful. Would they try and pull Swifties on you? <laughs> Um, not so much now, actually, <laughs> except for the, oh yeah, I cleaned my room and, you know, then you go and peer underneath the bed and everything's swooshed under the bed. It's like, oh, if mum doesn't step on it as she walks through the room, it'll be okay. So, <laughs> you know, some, some of that sort of stuff, but, you know, as, as a general rule, like, I mean, I think, look, I was always a little bit concerned about having children, A, because the, um, the eyesight problem is a genetic thing and so it sits in the recessive genetic basket and which means that um you know I don't have any good genes to pass on and the um you know so therefore my children were always going to end up being carriers of this disease and um there was no I mean it's it's incredibly rare it's it's such an unusual thing to to sort of you know pop up and so um I thought oh well you know likelihood of a, a partner that is going to have the the same problem is pretty minimal but you, you just never know like that little question yeah. in the back of your brain and I mean that all got thrown out in the end anyway because the ex-husband was infertile and we went through a donor program so we know nothing about the genetics of my children on that oh, side anyway wow. <laughs> so you know all that stressing was just irrelevant from one point of view but um yeah so I think the um the the process was okay, well, let's just take the chances. And, and you know, it goes back to that whole thing, like your bungee jump because you know it's safe and you've done your research. Same thing. I had children knowing that there was a pretty good percentage of chance that there wasn't going to be a problem with them. Yeah. And it turned out that that was the case. They are go- both going to be carriers. But then again, I've got a sister who is also a carrier and lives a perfectly normal life. I mean, she'd never chose to have children herself. But um you know, she's lived in Japan for the last 30 years or so and, you know, live, lives happily ever after kind of thing. So I sort of figure, you know, just because you're a carrier of something doesn't necessarily mean that you, your life choices are determined by that. Yeah. But what has changed my children is their capacity to deal with other people and be non-judgmental. Oh, good. And yeah. a story I can remember, and it still blows my mind, it must have happened probably a good 10 years ago now, so they would have been about six and eight at the time and we we're at the local shopping centre and we'd been to the bathrooms and sort of, you know, they sort of parked me off to the side. They said, hang on, <laughs> hang on, mum, you just wait over there and um, came back and I said, what, what were you guys up to? And they said, oh, we were helping a lady. 
And it turned out that um, they had parked me off to the side to go and help a lady who was having difficulty accessing the disabled toilet because she was in a wheelchair and she couldn't get the door to stay open for her while she manoeuvred. And at that age, I thought, oh, my gosh, like that is such an unselfish thing to do to be thinking of somebody else and to actually go out of your way to go and help them. And I thought, well, you know, if that's the values I've instilled into my children by them having a life with a little bit of diversity in it, then, you know, awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I'm only asking because we've got teenagers and, you know, if they could pull Swifties, they would. They would think <laughs> it'd be fantastic if we they, they actually think we can't see them even though we've got bloody good vision, you know. <laughs> and, you know and, and you know what? Like at the end of the day, I've got this saying is ignorance is bliss, yeah? So yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm glad of the things that I can't see and sometimes I think, hmm, well, if I could really see what you were doing, I probably wouldn't want to know anyway, so let's just go with I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you know, the best thing is, is I miss out on all that eye rolling and whatever else, yeah, like yeah. The faces and and all the 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 huffy teenage behaviour. Yeah. Like you know, I don't. I miss out on a lot of that, which is awesome. Yeah, that is actually awesome because that's the stuff that triggers you most of the time, <laughs> and that's what gets the arguments happening. Why are you doing that? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, what do, what do people need to know? about people with who are blind or vision impaired um not everyone uses a guide dog yeah um not everyone that uses a white cane or says that they're blind is completely blind there is definitely a spectrum and look this hasn't really been an issue for me but speaking to other people with vision impairment is they hate having someone just come and help them without being asked. And so the, the, the good old story of someone coming and grabbing you to help you cross the road because they assume that you can't manage to do it yourself rather than asking, would you like some assistance to cross the road or are you okay? So assuming the worst rather than expecting that someone can do it and then just offering some assistance. So to make their life a bit easier, I guess. Yeah. And, and so how about when people come up and say, um, you know, do you need some help? Is that offensive? Do you find that offensive? Um, no, look, I mean, if it's if it's done with, um, you know, like, a, you know, that that's good Samaritan as far as I'm concerned. Like, yeah. I mean, if, if someone's coming out of their way to help you, then the least you can do is be courteous and say, no, I'm fine, thank you. And, but, you know, but, but thank you so much for asking because most people wouldn't even bother to go out of their way to ask. So it's actually, you know, I, I get angry at those people that go, no, no, I'm all right kind of thing yeah, yeah. because I think that that's kind of being really rude, you know, back to somebody. Like, I mean, you know, it's not that they're assuming that you need help. They're offering just in case you do. Yeah. And I think it's it's quite difficult too. If you haven't been around people with disabilities, you it's 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 quite. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to act. You know, you, there's there's quite a lot of. Um, I'm just not sure. And and I think that, you know, it's nice to. I think it's just nice to be courteous, exactly like you're saying. You know, and just treat mm-hmm. people, just treat people the same. Are you okay? You know, is there anything yep. I can do for you? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and then it comes down to then your, um, you know, just your ability to then ask, ask questions. Yeah. Just don't assume. And look, I think if someone's going to be offended because you asked a genuine question, then that's their problem, not yours. Yeah. You've done the right thing by asking 
And if someone's going to be offended by someone's genuine want to help or need to know, then, you know, that, that, that becomes that other person's problem. Yeah, I agree. Look, so. we're not all perfect. Um, we, we're not yeah. all politically correct. You know, we all make mistakes. We all sort of, you know, say things we wish we didn't and do things we wish we didn't. But I think it comes down to exactly what you're saying. Is the intent good? Do you know, yeah. and, and I think that's the measurement really is, is the intent meant to be good you know like are we are we intending to be kind are we you know even if we screw it up but yep absolutely yeah and you know that goes for anything in life yeah you're always going to make mistakes but as long as you didn't you know we don't often go out there purposely to be malicious yeah and so so many of us have baggage about stuff that somebody else did and it's like no, in fact, like that was your true choice to react in the way that you did to that situation. And maybe their intent was so different to the perspective that you took of the way things turned out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people don't let go of that stuff really easily. No. Well, we're wired for negative bias and we're human beings, so we're never going to get it right. But <laughs> we might as well try to be kind anyway. But, well, I, I think you're, you're inspirational. I'm not just blowing wind up your bum, you know, like, oh, your disability is so cool. I just think you are, you know, and it's, 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 you, you've got some challenges that you're deciding, like, I know, screw that, I'm going to do this anyway and I'm going to make the most of my life. You're a bloody great role model for people, you know, and you're given life one hell of a crack and it would you know having a vision impairment or not I just love people who give life a crack to you know and really really grab it by the horns and it doesn't mean I'm not talking about bungee jumping because I'm not <laughs> doing that but now my I love this this question you know get this um, podcast is get off the bench to inspire people out there to take action and do stuff now there's going to be a lot of people out there with disabilities of various natures and a percentage of these people will believe that fulfilling their dreams isn't possible or just isn't in the pipeline due to the challenges that they have real or perceived challenges you know because there's a big difference what advice would you give them give it a go yeah what's the worst that can happen you can fail and if you fail you'll learn something from that experience yeah uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's not a failure anyway, is it? It's a. But, That's right. Uh, no, I love that. Now, uh, Fiona, I have absolutely loved this interview. I've loved chatting with you. I love your attitude. I love your sense of humour, and I love that we've had a freaking good laugh. And it's just, you know, it, it's it could be a it could be a really serious kind of, um, uh, you know down topic do you know what I mean whereas mm. but you you've you've made light of it you know you know and you just you've got such a great sense of humor you, you, you've got so much greatness to give to the world and I've just absolutely love this and I know people are going to want to follow you so where can people find you I am all over the socials <laughs> in <laughs> um probably the best one at the moment I'm really trying to do lots of bits and pieces on Instagram yep. so um the Instagram is fiona.dmark underscore blind underscore inspiration yeah and I am putting up all of my blind girl activities fails <laughs> moments in life um and then if you would like to learn some more about what I do, probably the best location is my website, which is www.fionadmark.com.au. 
Fantastic. And there is also Facebook and there's also LinkedIn. So, and Mm -hmm. of course, I, as I always do, put all these links in the show notes so people can click on uh, any of these and find you. So it'd be fantastic if they follow you and go and see what you're doing and maybe get some coaching from you because, uh, you know, (laughs) you're not going to, you're not going to look at them and judge their appearance. You're just going to tell them what they want to hear. Whoa, definitely not. No. I mean, the first, the first rule of coaching is that you need to be non-judgmental anyway but yeah so certainly you're not going to get any judgment on the way you look from me that's for sure (laughs) Uh, you you don't even have to rock up in your um you know you can wear your pajamas you could be naked for all I know and let's not encourage that no (laughs) (laughs) because sometimes we're we're recording on zoom and we forget so we we won't encourage the naked zooms but (laughs) 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 I reckon that's fantastic well thank you so very much for joining us and thank you so much for um you know being candid about about everything you know and just and I don't know just just being fair dinkum about it I think that's a really really lovely quality and um I think you're going to, everyone listening to this is going to have learned something amazing from you. And I just wish you all the best. This is just wonderful. I hope so, because everyone should learn something new every day. So if I've been the inspiration for you to learn your new thing today, then that is awesome. But if not, go and learn something else from somebody else right now. Yeah, fantastic. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. And um, yeah, and I'm going to, I'll put all this in the show notes and I hope everyone follows you and I've been following you and I just think it's wonderful. So thanks very much for your time. Thank you so much, Karen. You have a lovely day. You too. Thanks. See ya. Thank you. Goodbye. Oh, guys, that was fantastic. You know what? I think there is so often that we say, I can't do this and I can't do that because of this or because of that. You know what? Everything is in our head. It really is. And, and look, I'm as I'm as guilty as the next person. You know that we have negative thoughts, we have self doubt, we have all these, uh, I guess, perceived challenges that come up all the time, and perceived barriers. And you know, half the time, in fact, most of the time, they're not real. Now, when somebody like Fiona has a real barrier and still does it, really, we don't. We got no excuses. So. I, Go follow Fiona, check her out, like connect with her on LinkedIn, have a look at her website, follow her on Insta and Facebook, and just see all the great stuff that she's doing. And she's such an inspiration. If you get a chance to have her as a speaker at one of your, you know, event or something like that, do that as well. But I, I've absolutely loved this and I love her sense of humor. And it's I'm recording this at six o'clock at night. And I tell you what, I've needed a bit of a laugh today. So she's really given it to me. So I hope you hope you enjoyed that. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me again yet another week. You guys absolutely rock and I will see you next week. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.